Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 174, I was very lucky to have, oh, Tom Freeman on the podcast. Uh, you could see he's a life coach, self-improvement coach. And like he talked about his sort of life story, uh, how he discovered he was adopted at the age of eight, uh, what type of path that led him down in life and how he discovered his birth parents uh yeah it is one hell of a story to say the least and yeah got to say quite captivating uh charming gentleman a uh, pleasure to have on i look forward to speaking to him again in the future so please uh yeah if you can give a subscription to the podcast give it a positive review that would be much appreciated and it would really help the podcast but please enjoy the show have a great day and yes i look forward to speaking to you soon have a good one peace <laughs> Yes, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo, today on episode 174, I am very privileged, lucky to have a Tom Freeman. And you could say he is a life coach, self-improvement, as well as having hmm, an epic story to tell, to say the least. Now, Mr. Freeman, how are you today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh. It's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, you know what? Thank, like, thankfully, there's sun somewhere in the world because let's just say it's not here in the UK. <laughs> right. Wet, damp, and more wet. <laughs> now, I have to say, like, it's very interesting that, yeah, your last name's Freeman, because I think you've had to go on some epic quest to basically get your sort of, to become a free man of, yeah, your past, like, yeah, your, like your past, bringing it up to your present and hey, what the future holds, I don't know, but something bright. How did it all get started, may I ask? That's a great question. In fact, no one's ever actually posed it to me that way before. I actually was not born a free man. Interesting. I was born uh, summer of 69 in uh, San Francisco, and I was born a Fontaine. Fontaine. A few weeks later, I was adopted, and I became a freeman forever, in name only. Ah. Not, until, not until about six years ago this past Saturday did I actually start to free myself. And over the course of the last few years, I've been able to learn quite a bit about myself and take the road less traveled. Hmm. And as I slowed down a little bit, I was able to actually go out there, make change by choice. And the results have been inspiring to a lot of people, hmm. the most important being myself. Right. So, like, this is the thing. Being born a Fontaine, then becoming a free man, like, six days after, how did you discover you were a Fontaine? 
Well, it actually goes back a little bit further than that. Adopted uh, about seven weeks after I was born. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a beautiful, loving family. Um, my parents have since passed on. Um, and while they're still with me, they're in my heart. Uh, my three wonderful sisters, who I'm very close with, um, we grew up in a loving, safe, secure household. Right around the time I was eight years of age, I found out I was adopted. And when I found out I was adopted, an eight-year-old processes that information the way an eight-year-old processes that information. And... What I mean by that uh-huh. is that I took it. Yeah. I heard it. I asked why. And I was told, you're special. You're a gift from God. And I could have taken that as it being, you're special, you're a gift from God. But I actually took it as, why aren't they telling me the truth? Uh-huh. And that path that I took, that lonely, dark, shrubbery filled path ended up leading to a very predictable path of destruction. And not until many, many, many years later, did I muster up the courage through a number of other changes that took place in my life. Did I muster up the courage to actually go back to that eight-year-old boy, work on that eight-year-old boy and find out that in fact, that answer, you're a gift from God, you're special was absolutely the perfect answer because to my parents, I always was special and I always was a gift from God. Mm. And so walking that lonely path backwards and then over the course of the last six years, taking the new path, it's been unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, but like this is the, one of the things is, yeah, you're special, you're a gift from God, but the, one of the most important things is uh, they chose you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, basically, like, the amount of people, okay, who have kids and it's like, yeah. Like, you go, this kid's like an angel. And basically, from the same family, this kid is like a feral wolverine. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you know? Right. right. You ha- they chose you. And, like, you know what I mean? That, that's a hell of a thing um like you know what i mean um but when you discovered that when you were eight was that when you heard that was it just like a switch and you like okay that's it uh time to raise some hell or was it a gradual thing as you started to process it more it was a gradual slow burn it, okay. um the 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 the, the most vile disgusting evil creatures on this earth our other children. Oh yeah. Um, and I say, and I say that jokingly, <laughs> of course, but uh, growing oh. up, uh, growing up, kids can be brutal. Hey. And for the longest time, I thought that I had this scarlet letter that I was adopted because my three sisters weren't mm. five years older than me. They adopted me 18 months later, they had another daughter. And then five years later, they had another daughter. So I never understood why I was adopted. And I was pretty open about it. I've been open my whole life. And when I was going through this growing up, grade school, all of a sudden people would make fun of me. Why are you making fun of me? I'm just adopted. Mm. Why are you making fun of me? Um, so I started to build a pretty healthy, scratch that, unhealthy resentment. And 
in my teenage years, I started to carve this path. And this path was destruction. I wasn't going to let anyone get close to me. I was going to hurt you before you could hurt me. You weren't going to abandon me because that's what I associated being adopted with. Uh, I was abandoned. Right. You were like, okay, I'm, I can understand that. But it's but one of the things which I always like would kind of look at your situation, like I go, okay, yeah. How you feel is how you feel at the time. But like, I, I can understand as a out, someone who was, if I was an outsider at the time, like, uh, but, you're, but you're not alone. You've got your two parents and like, you've got your four sisters and like you've, like, you've got like, yeah, maybe a network of aunts and uncles and nephews, like, well, uh, cousins there with you who don't see you like that. Uh, how like you must have been like very hard to reach at the time a healthy there's probably a healthy resilience as you put it there's, yeah there's there's probably a, a good reason why they don't let us vote at eight years of age or uh, <laughs> join the military at eight years of age it's uh it, it's one of those things where was i was i mature enough to process this information in a healthy mm -hmm. manner no 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 not until many many years later was i able to come to terms with it mm. and was i able to actually accept it actually six years ago this past saturday i became sober and through a path of destruction of failed relationships right 86 myself from those relationships mm. i just wasn't going to allow myself to get hurt well i ended up uh be becoming a high functioning alcoholic um, high functioning in that i was out there and able to have a healthy career mm. very productive lucrative career um but i was miserable absolutely miserable on the surface, you'd look at me and you say, oh, this guy's just having fun. Mm -hmm. No, just an eight-year-old inner child that was just tearing me apart. And six years ago, I decided to make that rather significant change. Yeah. So what was it six years ago, which like sparked that off, which like ignited that change? What was the epiphanal moment? I woke up one morning. I was with a friend mm. and I spent the day with a friend and that the day after I sat out in my sat outside, I was smoking a cigarette and I realized I had not drank the day before. And I sat there and I was by myself and I went on a, I just went as far back as I could. I went all the way back to high school before I could find a day where I wasn't drinking. I'm 52. <laughs> and so to go back that far, that meant I had been living my life in a bottle and other recreational that I won't mention opportunity. <laughs> and so um, I realized, okay, I could do it. And then I did it one more day. Mm. And then the next day, everything was going fine. I was like, hey, I can beat this. I don't need to drink. I got this. Oh no. <laughs> and then people who had been away came back into my life. I picked them up at the airport and all of a sudden all I wanted to do was drink. 
Mm. And it was at that point, I realized I'm an alcoholic. And I went in uh, the next day, went to a meeting and I've been sober ever since. Mm. Six years, August 7th. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like I, it, the people we sometimes surround ourselves with are sometimes it's not intentional, but it sometimes that's the easiest path to doing something we don't want to do. Sometimes it's like, hey, it's like, going, hey guys, how you doing? It's like, yeah, haven't I haven't had junk food for ages? I haven't done this for ages. Getting their presence in like ten. 20 minutes before you know it, you're like, okay, why do I have this sandwich in my hand? Like covered in right. cheese and grease. Like what, like with yourself, it's like, yeah, how comes I'm all of a sudden drinking? Like, did you, like when you went to the meeting, was it a case of you kept those people in your lives or was it a case of you were like, hey? Yeah. So getting sober was the easy part. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time. The first few days of uh, detoxing yourself. It's yeah. not fun. I don't know if you've known anyone who's ever gone through that, but that's not fun. I would never want to have to do that again, but I, uh, I would do that 10 times over than what I had to go through six months down the road. Mm. It was when I got sober that I started to heal. And as I started to heal, I started to feel. And as I started to feel, I had to sit down and actually work on what hurt, what was hurting me. Mm. So I did all the things you're not supposed to do. I made dramatic change. I got divorced. I got into a new relationship. I moved my career. I moved my home. All the things you're not supposed to do. I did it because I've always been in control of everything in my life. Well, six months into my sobriety, um, I was thinking of taking my own life. Mm. And it was at that moment, crying in the fetal position on my therapist's couch after having almost taken my life the day before that I went to a facility on the other side of the United States to spend the better part of a month on working on the post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, Mm -hmm. for that eight-year-old inner child. And when I came home, I didn't go away for alcoholism. I didn't go away for drug addiction. I went away to go work on that little boy. Mm. And from that moment, every day since has been the most epic, unbelievable journey, story, transformation. At least that's what my friends and family tell me. Uh-huh. Yeah, because like this is the thing. Like I can imagine when you say yeah, I, like you like being like being in control. I like yeah, uh, I'll say like yeah, having been told that yeah, you're adopted like at the age of eight must have been like okay, right. That you're spinning out with that. How can I like make like just have some sort of terra firma, um, and basically going through all that time like yeah drinking doing what you're doing and then basically still feeling complete control but as soon as you sort of had to get sober and this is where i like i'm like this is where i play armchair psychologist um like it was a case of i think it was a case of you had to stop running and confront yourself and that's where the sort of like pain 
was the discomfort to allow you to grow. Would you say? Not only did I have to stop running, I had to stop altogether. Mm. And when you're running that hard, that long, that fast, mm. and then you slam on the brakes, everything else just plows right into you. And it was tough. Mm. It was tough. I had to work on myself. I was no good to anyone else. I'm a father. I've got two grown children. In fact, I, I became a grandfather. Uh, my oldest son and his wife um, made me a grandfather this past spring. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm just thrilled. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I wouldn't have been here if I hadn't have stopped. Mm. And I wouldn't have been able to hold my granddaughter in the hospital if I hadn't have stopped. And so the really cool thing about all of it is that eight-year-old boy, he's smiling ear to ear. Mm. And the reason I say that is because let's fast forward. July 14th, two years ago. Actually, let's back it up. Um, a couple months earlier, I was at a conference and there was this show on MTV that ran the hundred things to do before you die. Yeah. And I'm at this, and I'm at this, listening to the keynote speaker and he's up there and he's talking and he walks off the stage and it was the last day of a conference, you know, the one when no one ever goes to because they're too hungover. And I'm sitting in the front row and he walks off the stage and I ran up to him and I said, hi, my name is Tom Freeman. And there's been something I've been wanting to do my entire life. I've always had a list of things I wanted to do, but you just put the one item on my list and I'm going to make it number one. I'm going to find my birth mom. Mm. And he said, here's my card. Stay in touch with me. I got on the plane, I texted him and said, thank you so much. He texted me back and said, stay in touch with me. And at that point, my girlfriend, the love of my life, who I'm with, who also happens to be a gifted individual as a unbelievable medium. And she was able to go out there and sit there and see that my path was actually going to have a happy ending. And so over the course of that spring and into the early summer, we made the decision. And that decision was that I was going to reach out and I was going to find my birth mother. Would you like to hear how that turned out? You know what? No, nah, no, nah, we don't really have to. No, nah, no. Nah. So I got to go. Commercial break. To go now. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. So here, I'll give you the shortened version. Um, no, every Sunday. The long or, version if you want. Hey. All right. So uh, yeah, every week I would, I would go on to Google and I, I would type in, uh, you know, find my, you know, how do I find my parents or how do I find my birth mother? And I happened to make a mistake one day and I just typed into Google. I think I was just frustrated. And I said, <laughs> I need a birth parent finder. And up pops this webpage, <laughs> birthparentfinder.com. And so I type in my information and they always want to call and tell you something. And the next morning, this gal from Florida calls me and says, Tom, we've, we've got your inquiry and we think we can help you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 fine. I know you all think you can help me. And she said, no, we actually can't. And she proceeded to tell me, she, we have microfiche. Um, we have historical records of every baby born in a hospital in the last hundred years in the United States. 
we have the technology to find your birth parent. And at this point, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Do I actually want this? Because I had always envisioned if I ever knew I was talking to, if I, uh, that's my birth mother over there. That's my birth father over there. I would just yeah. saunter up to the bar next to him. I'd sit down, I'd have a drink with them. And I would never tell them who I was, but I just want to get to know them. I wanted to see what they look like. I wanted to, you know, their, their mannerisms, how they spoke. But now this was real. <laughs> so I said, you need to let me think about this. So I slept on it overnight, did a little research on a company. Next morning, I called him and I said, let's do it. I think I actually said, what the hell? Go ahead. <laughs> and um, what do you need from me? And that night, a couple of emails and phone calls came back and forth. And they, they said, hey, Tom, we need your 23andMe. Can you give us? And I, I did the 23andMe, Ancestry.com, and I'd never found anything. Mm. This was on Monday. I made that, or the, the call was to me. Tuesday, I signed up. Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., I'm sitting in my office. Jay, the investigator, calls me. Says, Tom, are you sitting down? I said, yes. And he says, no, Tom, I actually need you to be honest. Are you sitting down? Said, yeah. yeah, I'm sitting down. He said, I need you to pull up your computer, jump onto Facebook, and type in this name. And so I type in the name and he says, does this woman look like you? He says, Tom, take a selfie of yourself right now and shoot it to me. And one thing leads to another. He found my mom. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, uh, I understand we live in a small world. I, I, I do. Like, but that is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, that, that is ridiculous. Like, it's like, okay, oh. that's ridiculously fast. God damn. It gets, it gets better. Okay, carry on. <laughs> All right. So he says, we ended up, when you, when, we, when you sent us the 23andMe, we saw one name on there and we called that person. We said, do you know this person? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say her name uh, and said, do you know this person? And she said, no. And she says, does anybody in your family history have this last name? And she goes, well, yes. So they linked it. So then they went to Facebook, linked it up again. Next thing you know, the investigator calls me and says, this is your mom. And then he proceeded to say, you have a brother and sister. Those kids that gave you up for adoption ended up getting married three years later. I have their marriage certificate. They were married for 25 years. I have their divorce decree. You have a full brother and a full sister. They live in this city. And I said, no way they live in this city. That's 15, 20 minutes from where I was raised. He says, not only that, but your brother went to the same all boys high school as you 14 years later. So now I uh, pick up the phone and I call someone. And I say, cancel my entire day. 
Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I need to take a, I need to take a minute. And uh, I made a couple minute. phone calls. <laughs> I, I called I call my oldest sister, told her what was going on, called my boy's mom, who was my high school sweetheart. Nah, we're, we're still friends, but yeah. we, could, we couldn't be married. Called her because I, she had always wanted me to do this. And all of a sudden, throughout the course of the day, my ex-wife and my oldest sister are sitting here going through Facebook and Instagram and every social media outlet, and they're putting together my family tree, and they're putting together two different family trees. And they're like, oh, I found a picture here. And they're like, oh, my God, you look just like your dad and this and that. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, everyone, this is a lot. I need you to just chill out. And uh, No, you can never, like, when, if something like this comes up, and you got like two ladies in your life or a lady in your life. Yeah, no, they are going to go pursue this to the very end. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, remember, I said, I need you guys to chill out. I didn't say they did. Oh, <laughs> right. And so it ended up being so much fun because the investigator was trying to reach my birth mother. Now, my birth father has zero social media presence. You can never find him anywhere. <laughs> and so they ended up reaching out, connecting with my birth mother. Mm -hmm. And now everything that I tell you is coming from them. My birth mother ended up, I ended up speaking to her about a week later. She ended up telling me, oh yeah, this is how that call went. I fell to the ground. I fell to the ground and started crying. Okay. And I got up and I called my, uh, I called your father who was on a motorcycle ride with his two brothers. And he said, Steve, uh, remember that situation 50 years ago? <laughs> that um, situation. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's, Remember that thing from 50 years ago? Mm. Um, he's like, yeah. And so he was up in um, Canada and he left his motorcycle in Canada, flew home. And at this point, I'm not having any real connection with them. They're figuring this out because they've been divorced for 20 years and they've got two grown children and those kids don't know about me. Oh, <laughs> So he sits down or they, they get together and they live a couple hours apart from one another and they call the kids. Now this is on a Wednesday that all this went down. They call the kids together and say, Hey, we need to have a family meeting at four o'clock on Monday up in Northern California. And so they all meet at this coffee shop and they're like, guys, we got something to tell you. My older sister uh, says, what do we have a secret sibling? And they said, yes. And then they proceeded to tell them about what had taken place. Oh my God. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but like, I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall while this conversation was going down. Like, because like, this is the thing. Uh, to, <laughs> to think you're the, like the only two of that family and then it's like, yeah, you discover yeah. That, that 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 is shifting in itself 
And like, I imagine like as shifting as it was for you when you were eight to like find that out, like to like all of a sudden be like, okay, you've gone, you've, you've gone through all your childhood, you've gone into your adult life. And then basically, hey, by the way, you've got an older brother out there. It's like, what? <laughs> when were you going to actually tell us about this? What, what the hell, you know? That must have been, yeah. Especially for my sister, who later ended up confiding in me when I met her. Mm. This is very difficult for me because I've always been the oldest. And I'm the only one to give them a grandchild. And now you come along, you're the oldest, and you gave them two. And now that, <laughs> that, that, that's been a tough one to overcome. In fact, you know, fast forwarding a little bit after, after they spoke as a family unit, then I had my first conversation with my mother. Mm. And it was at this point we ended up speaking and we made the decision that I would end up meeting them. And it was on July 14th, two years ago, on my 50th birthday, that I boarded a plane and drove an hour and a half. I don't remember the flight. I don't remember the drive. And I walked up to my mother's front doorstep and met my mother, had dinner, spent the night, and hung out for a couple of days with my mom on my 50th birthday. Not- Okay, I can only imagine like the sort of emotions bubbling through and everything like this. Like, was there like, okay, apart from the sort of the obvious why did like did things go down the way they did to make me a Freeman and not like, you know what I mean? Um, like, uh, what questions apart from that came to mind do you remember or is it just all a crazy blur a crazy haze well it's it's actually okay so i'll i'll answer that one important thing um you you mentioned earlier about how quick it all took place the irony in it all is that it actually could have happened faster except my parents for whatever reason when a child is uh, born in the United States and is given up for adoption, a child is immediately named. They're, they're named after their birth mother. They're right. given the birth mother's last name. Mm. Not in my case. For whatever, whatever reason, they gave me my dad's name. So I actually was born Joel Fontaine. And I know it sounds like a lounge singer, um, but... But uh, I was given the name Joel Fontaine, which is why they had a hard time connecting the dots. And so it, it ended up being, um, it ended up being fun when we met. It wasn't, I had written a letter to them after I found out because I, I didn't know if they were going to be receptive to meeting with me. So I wrote them a letter. And in that letter, I just wrote and cried and wrote and cried. And essentially the message was, I really don't want anything from you. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for family. I'm not here for anything Mm. except I have a Grand Canyon size hole in me. I don't need to know why. I just want to know who. And so I don't, I'm never going to ask you why you gave me up. I'm never going to ask me what life would have been like without you. 
Mm. I'm not going to ask for any money. I'm not asking for to be invited to Christmas. I just want to know who mm. I've got my life. I'm good with my life. I just want to know who you are. I just wanted to get a chance to meet you. And because of that letter, they met me. Now, my mom and I in the last two years have had ups and downs, really close. And then she had to pull back. And that's okay. I'm good with that. Mm. She's got the guilt. I have the abandonment. I get it. I'm totally good with it. So we go at her pace. My dad, we talk every week, every two weeks. My brother and my sister, I flew up. I met them on a hmm. separate trip. I, I met my mom on one trip. I met my dad two weeks later. And then two weeks after that, I went up and I met my brother and sister. I've, I've only seen my brother and sister that one time. This is too hard for them. My brother, he's cool. He's he'll hey, happy Father's Day, happy birthday, hey, how you doing? Stuff like that, a text here and there. My sister, nah. And I don't think he'll ever be any. We'll see. That's that's on her. I'm gonna honor my letter, mm. which was I just want to know who. I met my sister and I met my brother, but really I never thought that I'd have a mom and dad. See, the thing with the brother and sister is like, ah, okay, you know, it's nice knowing that I have them. But I never thought I had a full brother and sister. Mm. So I never, I, I wasn't let down by finding out that they don't want to see me. I never actually thought about that. And you know, Hollywood makes it that the dad is always, you don't know who your dad is. I got a twofer. <laughs> I got a twofer. I found out I met my dad. And he's a, he's a cool guy. We look alike. We, our mannerisms are the same. Our, sar our sarcastic sense of humor is the same. The way we go through life is identical. Isn't that weird, though? Like, because, like, okay, like, the whole thing is you've, you've never had contact with, with the guy, your dad, like, your, like, your biological father for 50 years, but yet you have the same mannerisms, you've got the same type of sense of humor. It's like going, how, like, it's like, what? Nurture versus nature, you know what I mean? Come on. Well, it's it, it, it actually it's actually funny. So Arlene and I went up when we went and met my dad. Yeah. I met my mom by myself, but I I needed help to go meet my dad. And so Arlene came with me and we're out to dinner and and it's that awkward conversation, you know, during dinner. Yeah. And then we go back to his place and we're just sitting in the living room. He's in his chair and I'm on the couch. And we're just sitting there. And we're talking back and forth. We're just getting to know one another. We're just talking. <clears throat> well, Arlene realized what was happening. So Arlene and uh, my dad's wife went over into the other side of the room. Well, I didn't know until we got on the plane the next day that she was snapping pictures of us talking the whole time. And I kid you not, it is one of the funniest things. When we talk, we sit the same way. When we listen, we sit the same way. We cross our legs the same way. Our hand <laughs> gestures are the same way. And it's all caught on film. And I had, neither one of us had any idea the pictures were being shot. <laughs> you, must, you must be like, what? Say what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, like, yeah. yeah. So when, like, it must be kind of trippy. It's like, yeah, 
like your dad's like riding around on motorcycles in Canada and like you're like you're going, okay. Do you like do you have a penchant for riding motorcycles as well? Or is it something you like? Always had re- always had ridden. Yeah. 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 I was a, a, he was a long haired hippie um, in the 60s in San Francisco. And what was I in the 80s in San Francisco? A long haired hippie. In San Francisco. Now that, mm-hmm. that is a crazy wild town. Well, it, well, it was it's a still strange, it. Yeah. It was a strange town, most really through the sort of early 80s. But yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm sure right. you. I'm sure you had a good time there. I won't go into. I won't go into too much detail. <laughs> it's like your kids right. listening. Dad, you did what? No, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh. So, oh no, my kids know. That's that's okay. the cool thing. Yeah. Outstanding, outstanding. So now, like now that you've met your birth parents, met your siblings, your biological siblings, now have like, do you feel like you are sort of more complete as a person because now you kind of know or do you feel like there's still parts of you missing it's a great question um you know you you ever seen a cartoon when you know like a bugs bunny cartoon or something where that you know the shotgun goes through someone and there's a huge hole and you can see all the way through yeah and they're still they're still operating as a cartoon would um that hole is filled in now and when I, I had put a little post out on social media that I had celebrated six years and I don't post on Facebook that I'm sober. Mm. I just put out, you know, today marks six years on this journey that I've been on. I thank you all for being by my side. This has been, as you know, and I said what I said, the outpouring of support which was, I knew you before, and I love you now. Mm. Or I never knew you before, I can't imagine how great you feel because I love and admire who you are now. Um, It's those types of things. I'm not doing this for other people, but when I told you before that I got sober, Mm -hmm. I didn't know why I was getting sober, I just knew I was done but I didn't have any idea that this is what was going to happen. I fall asleep every night with zero regrets. If I need to apologize, I did. Mm. I live today to experience the hell out of my todays and I'm prepared for tomorrow. See up until six years ago, I always lived for tomorrow and never experienced today because mm. I was always looking for something better and I didn't want to have to deal with the reality. Now I couldn't imagine not being able to experience this reality. Mm. I am so fortunate that <clears throat> I have filled that hole, completed this it's that missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle that you're looking under the couch for. And you're like, man, it's just, where is it? Where is it? And I just completed it. And man, it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. Mm. And what does tomorrow bring? 
I don't know. I'll deal with it tomorrow, but I'm going to enjoy it today. Mm. Yeah. Like always living for tomorrow. Like one of those things where I think many a person falls in the trap of, there's a couple of traps which people fall into. Like, it's like, okay. Like people, like people look to the past and like, instead of just looking at it to learn a lesson from that past, they like fall into it and they basically dwell and then they fall into this pit of despair. Like the other, I would say, trap is, okay, you don't look to the past at all. Like you just, okay, carry on. And then it's like, how comes I keep making the same mistake again and again and again? It's just simply you haven't like looked and learned from your history, your personal history, to like make yourself better. And while you keep ignoring that, it's just like, okay, in your present, you do the same thing. So your future is just going to lead to that same loop again and again and again. Like, did when you sort of went, okay, yeah, I'm getting, like, I'm getting sober, did you start to look at your past to sort of work things out? Or was it a case of, you were like, okay, I'm just dealing with this moment and then sort of building on that. No, you have to, you, you, you have to go backwards and it, and it sucks, but you got to go back. You, you, you know, in the, uh, the 12, you know, it, it, when you're working the steps, mm. um, anybody who's ever gone through any sort of uh, recovery, you have to go back and make amends. And in order to make amends, you have to take a little inventory. Who am I kidding? You have to take a lot of inventory and you have to go back and you have to ask for amends. Mm. Um, you're not always going to get it. They're not always going to be fun conversations. But when the time is right, I know I needed to do that. Mm. And was I, make, was I able to make amends with everyone? No. Did I try? Yeah. Mm. did it work out i don't know i don't know i mean those those that stayed by me thank you mm -hmm. those that didn't i'm sorry i lost you we all missed out mm. but those of you who stayed by me and have entered into my life or grown closer thank you mm. thank you yeah, I can imagine. Look, asking amends from people must be like it's incredibly hard. Just like, oh, hey, you know what? Like, I screwed up, and like, yeah, I've like, um, I ruined certain things in life, and like, which could have been beautiful for the both of us. But yeah, I was a problem. Was one of like was one of the hardest like people to ask amends of? Was that yourself? Would you say? Yeah, uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, you have to figure out is the the, the BS meter. Yeah, uh, I gotta ask, I gotta ask myself: Am I being honest with myself? Mm. Um, so you ask yourself that question quite frequently. And um, it, am I okay with running that uh, red light? Yeah, that's fine. Um, just don't do it again. Mm. Um, but am I okay with what I did? repeatedly over the course of time it's not that i'm okay with it i just have to forgive myself mm. 
And generally speaking, it has to do with people. It has to do with relationships. It has to do with me thinking I was doing something right. And what I was really doing was something very wrong. Mm. But I had just convinced myself that I was doing right by people. You know, it, we get one shot at this life. Indeed. The way I understand it, we get one shot at this life. And I can, I can assure the world, I'm not intentionally going to try to hurt anyone ever again. Not that I intentionally tried to hurt people in the past, but I go out of my way to make sure I don't hurt someone now. Mm. And it starts with me being honest with myself. Mm. Yeah. Trying to, like, trying to be your authentic self. Um, anyone trying to be their authentic self and like it's one of those things authentic is a word which you rarely use in a sentence but it is one of those things if you can truly find that authentic self I think it's a very freeing thing because you're not as you say you're not putting like you're not going through the bs meter like trying to like okay like con other people but more importantly trying to con yourself that you're this person or that person you're just being true to yourself and trying to be true to others around you which is a hard hard road at times <laughs> trust me well yeah uh, you you want to you can call me anything you want except you can't call me a liar mm. you ever want to get you, you ever want to see the uh, hairs on the back of my neck stand up Tell me I'm a liar. I still have a hard time when someone says, oh, you're not, that, that's not what you said. Mm. Um, yeah, it is. Um, or I could, I could bring up any argument, any spat, if you will. Um, I am authentic. Um, but someone said something to me earlier this year, and I'll never forget it. it uh, one of my partners at work, he said, you know what I like the most about you, Tom? I said, what's that? You're genuine. Mm. And when you think about the word genuine, what does genuine really mean? Did he, did he say I was perfect? No. Oh. Did he say I was without flaw? No. He just said, you're genuine. You tell it how you see it. Oh. You live it how you feel it. You're, you're just genuine. And I was pretty good with that. No, it's a good place to be, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, no one had said that to me before. Mm, because, like, this is a thing. Like, yeah, perfection. <laughs> perfection is an illusion, and it tricks us all. Yeah. And basically, perfection, like, perfection is one of the biggest killers of, like, ambitions and dreams that you'll ever meet same thing with procrastination because everyone goes i need to wait for that perfect moment i need to wait for that perfect time oh like when that moment comes then i'll act then i'll make everything happen and it's like i mean, you know what i like i, I want to meet, meet halle berry and like yeah and like you know yeah. drive like drive fast cars and like yeah make a, a myriad of things happen like yes have a big s on my chest fly but that ain't gonna happen but you wait for perfection mm -mm. no just got to get on with it and go with it and like to be called genuine 
that is like a hell of a compliment, a hell of a compliment right there. That's what, that's the way I took it. Not yeah. trying to be perfect, but I'm totally good with being genuine. Yeah. I have to ask, like, you know what, with all of this, like, okay, look, I, I'm a strong believer in like, people need to experience discomfort in like, in a way to help make them like help them grow, help them develop, become better than they like were. With all of this, how would you say this has like impacted your life in a positive manner? What would you say has been like maybe two or three things which you like, hey, this is how it's kept? Um, great question. Uh, was about six years ago, um, when I had moved my, one of the guys I was working very closely with, um, he, he had challenged me on something. I said, listen, it's my job to protect you. And he said, no, it's not. And we ended up having a conversation and the way that I, I, I took that father, that fatherly role to an extreme, that brotherly role to an extreme. And I would literally tell people, yeah, my job is to protect you. I'm going to have you inside the castle. I'm going to have a wall. I'm going to have a moat. And I'm going to have dragons inside that to protect you. And I'm going to do all that for you. And he said to me, he said, Tom, that's great. That's admirable. But you know, you trapped us inside the castle. (laughs) Like, oh my God. I never, I never thought about it like that. So one of the biggest changes I've made in my life is that while I still have that, I'll always be a father mm. and a loving spouse and a good friend and an employee and an employer. I'm going to walk by your side now. I'm not going to walk in front of you. I'll pull you when you need to be pulled. I'll push you when you need to be pushed. But I'm going to walk by your side now. Ah, uh, yeah, no. Um, have you have you watched Finding Nemo? Um, Arlene's nickname is uh, Dory for reasons you could probably figure out. Um, okay. A little forgetful at times, but yes, I've seen uh, I've seen Finding Nemo. Okay, like there is like the scene what really sticks out to me with in Finding Nemo always has. Okay, you like got them on the sort of like the great highway that the current yeah. is taking them along, and like basically uh, they they've met this Sita or Chad, and like basically like they're all going along, and one of Chad's kids gets sucked out of the channel, and like like basically. Um, Nemo's dad is like, oh my God, my saver. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's see what little Scud can do. And like, he was like, and like, you see like the little turtle, like sort of get upright and come in. And it's so enthusiastic. Like, did you see what I did? It was like, yeah, I saw what you did. Like, I think there is many a times where, yeah, like, I think we learn to, like, especially when you're a father, I'm not a father yet, but maybe one day in the future, who knows? Like, it's a case of you're taught to be the, like, the sword and the shield. Basically, yeah, attack and defend. But when it comes down to sort of personal development, 
I would say definitely, especially in the last, like, yeah, 20, 20 years or so, it sort of stifles that sort of personal development. Because, like, hey, when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, I would run, run, go out, and see you later. I'll, and be back when I needed to eat something or get some food. But that's it. But it doesn't really happen like that these days. And I'm not, see, I'm not saying... Oh, times of yore, and it should be better like that. I'm just saying that is, I think sometimes we too much of that, like the shield and the sword, or the sword and the shield. Society dictates that quite a bit, but it, as uh, Finding Nemo, your example proved, it's okay to step out. Yeah. As long as you know where it is. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I talked to you before that eight year old that the story I shared with you earlier on in our conversation, that eight year old, yeah, I chose the path less traveled. Mm. It may sound fun for a weekend, but not for 40 years. Hey. Mm. And so that channel, while I have zero intention of following what society just dictates I'm supposed to do, because remember we get one shot of this, might as well live the hell out of it. The reality is, is that there's a whole lot of space inside that, that current, if you will, Mm. for us to be able to experience, heal, feel, impact. And because of that, it's, I'm 52 years old and I feel like I'm 12 and I've got the energy of a 12 year old. I just am having fun. Just having fun. And so with this like positive energy, this vitality, which you like, which is like bubbling in you to be this 12 year old, like, well, what are you going to put that energy towards? Because look, you've, Hey, you've got to use it somewhere. And hey, you've got to share that positivity the way I see it. How are you going to do that? Well, 50 years in California. Have you ever been to California? I have not been to California. I've been on the East Coast, but not the West Coast. No. All right. Well, you got you to gotta make it out to California one day. See, everyone wants to go to California. You know, you're going to you trip and fall over movie stars, right? You got the beaches and you got this and you got this. Well, the reality of it is I spent 30 years in the Bay Area and 20 years in Southern California. Mm. Two different worlds, by the way. Completely different world. Well, what happened during COVID? when we were all on lockdown, I said, I've served my time, 50 years. And I moved to Las Vegas. Why? Because I could. Mm. And you may say, Tom, you said before you're sober, why would you move to Las Vegas? (laughs) Why not? Why not? I'm not gonna start drinking. There's alcohol in California. Just because I'm next to the strip, the Las Vegas Strip doesn't mean I'm going to start drinking. I could, mm. but I'm not. I'm not giving this up for anything. And so right now, I'm just experiencing. Minutes before I got on this call, I went to Arlene, who's on the other side of the house working, and I said, is your calendar open in January? And she goes, yeah. And I said, great, I just booked a trip. Open up your email. And she goes, oh, my God, this house is beautiful. And I said, yeah, let's tell everyone tonight. So we just booked a trip to go to Costa Rica. Why? Because we can. 
we're fortunate. And we're fortunate because we're living our life by design as opposed to what's being dictated. Mm-hmm. And so my parents, my mom and dad who raised me, are looking down from whatever your beliefs are. They're looking down, and I know that they're proud of me. And I never would have found my biological parents if my parents were still alive. I wouldn't have done that to my parents. I wouldn't have done it. It was too difficult talking about it as a child and as an adult before they passed. But I know they're proud of me. They're proud of me because I'm making the right choices. I'm living my life with intentionality. And I'm learning from my mistakes. What parent wouldn't be proud of that? I'll be very hard to push to find a parent who would like see those things as a negative. Um, yeah, a very, very hard push. But like, yeah. So with this, as I mentioned, yeah, new energy, new vitality. Now, what, like with your story, what is your, like, what is your plan with this story? Are you going to share this with the world? You mentioned before we started, you wanted to like perhaps do a TED talk. Um, that, that sounds like definitely like one of those bucket list things to put on and write a book maybe uh what else like what else is on this bucket list of yours i wonder well i'd like to fill wembley wembley and i'd like to i'd like to i'd like to have an hour with a full stadium Uh and just let people know that that inner child doesn't have to define who you are to let people know if you're struggling with whatever it is, a relationship, sobriety, your career, we get to choose to choose. Hmm. And yes. Am I going to write a book? Yeah. I actually had to throw the old one out. I started writing a book about 20 years ago and it was, I sleep on the left side. It was a titled, I sleep on the left side of the bed. Hmm. And the premise to that whole story was, yeah, in every relationship I was, I always had my spouse between me and the doorway. Every, it was the most bizarre. I was so codependent in my life that I gave up everything of myself. And now I don't know what the title of my book is, but I absolutely can tell you I'm going to write it. No one may read it. No one may buy it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to write it. And I'm going to share it with whoever wants to hear the story. Because if I can help one person and that person can help two people and that person can help four people, Mm -hmm. then my life's work will have been done. It's too easy and too cliche to sit there and say, oh, my boy is 28 and 24. They're living wholesome, productive lives. Or Arlene, that our relationship is unbelievably great. Or, the, or my career or what happened. No, my, my life's work 
is this last hour that I've just spoken with you about. Mm. Excellent. Now, do you think you might start something on sort of social media? Like, you know what I mean? Get like, because helping people and getting in contact with people in this day and age has, how can I put it? It's become a lot easier. Like back in the day, you would have needed major corporations behind you or something like to get that break. Do you think you'll be like sort of putting yourself out there a little bit more to go, hey, here I am. This is my story. This is my message. And this is how it can help you. The answer is yes. And it will be soon. I keep saying her name. We've been working the last couple of years to have Arlene follow her gift, follow her gift and impact the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing exactly what you just talked about from a social media perspective about how many people want to connect with loved ones who've passed on. Mm-hmm. And I see how powerful that is and how her business is flourishing. So I've been putting a lot of efforts in supporting her. Um, it's going to be my turn here relatively soon. Mm. And yes, I absolutely am going to be going 100% into this world. Enough that will I walk away from my career? as a uh, financial planner, someone who has had a very successful career running a large firm. Will I step away from that? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. The old adage is, the old adage, like like I often say sometimes, is like in order to grab something new, you need to let go of what you've got. And many people which find it incredibly hard to let go because, hey, what you're holding on to, like it can like symbolize many things like security, identity, Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know what I mean? Like community, but to like to go on to something newer, it might be better, it might be worse, but if you need that change, you need to let go of what you've got. And so hard, some people find it. And like, this is the thing, you, <laughs> no, with the way you went, okay, yeah, I'm getting sober and like, yep, <laughs> I'm getting out of town. You like, you kind of embrace that and you live it. So, like some people might go, that's to the extreme, but it was necessary for you, would you say? or? What, am I wrong about that? You, do you wish you did it a slightly different way? <clears throat> People ask me, uh, what would you have done different? Mm. And I, uh, I've struggled with that question. And that answer has changed quite a bit. So asking me right now, would I have done anything differently? You know, everyone talks about what do you want read at your obituary or what do you want people to say when you pass on or what's going to be on your tombstone? Mm. Loving father, supportive partner, and a seeker of change. That's it. 
what I, what I, what I want to, what I, if I could have done it all over again, would I've done it different? No. I didn't mean to hurt people. I didn't mean to cause tears. I didn't mean to cause tension. And this sounds very selfish and it's not intended to be selfish. But the way I feel right now, if I would have done anything different, I might not have had this. And I wouldn't give this up for anything. Mm. Could it have been better? I don't know. Could it have been worse? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It could have been worse. Mm. Could it have been better? I don't think so. And I'm, I'm good with that. Mm. Yeah. Because like one of the things I often like the reason why I like listening to those like that type of question or aren't like basically saying that type of question is because like I sometimes think people don't get it. Like, okay, if you are truly happy with where you are in life and you're still looking to like grow and develop at that stage in life. All of the things which have gone on in the past, all of the things like actions, be it positive, be it negative, all led to the development of you being you at that precise moment in time. If you could sort of erase those like sort of carvings into the stone or, or anything like that, it becomes something completely different. It's like, okay, if you like, let's take a film like say Back to the Future, like, yeah, he goes back, he changes time, and all of a sudden, yeah, his dad is not his dad of before, not that nerdy guy who was there. He's a much more confident fella, and it's like, okay. Then they go back, change it again. It's like, yeah, now his dad's gone, and his mother's changed, and everything like this. But with, if you could tamper and change your past, you don't you're not going to be that person you are right now and if you if people are not happy with who they are at that precise moment in time like as long as you've got air in your lungs you've got you can connect a fork together and you're healthy enough to move and act you can change things for your future it's just a case of you need to just get down knuckle down and do the work that's the way i see it you know I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I, I don't get to just go ahead and hit a race. Um, a man once uh, gave me a poem and the poems over a hundred years old and it's called the man in the glass. And the man in the glass is essentially summarized in such a way that the individual that I'm looking at in the mirror, do I respect them? Mm. And that's that moment every morning when I'm doing what I do, getting ready for the day, or every night when I'm unwinding from the day, I take a look in that mirror and uh, do I respect the man in the glass? And so it's my way of just taking a step out 
mm. and looking to see, all right, A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four, everything. All right, perfect. Think, things are as good as they're supposed to be. Thing, thing, you know, not every day is perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. Far from it. Far from it. Life would be boring if it was perfect. But the individuals who sit there and, and, and go on and on about how great their life is, brother, you need to take a look at it because something is disconnected right there. No one's life is that great. Mm. It's supposed to be filled with ups and downs. That's what makes us who we are. That's the high is only that much more special because of the journey to get there. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I, it makes sense to me. I understand that. Like, uh, like the whole thing is like, how can I put it? Like, for example, you, like you live in California for a healthy chunk of time. Mm -hmm. and like now you live in Nevada. Okay. No, like, here's the thing. You know nothing, you knew nothing but sunshine and perfect sunny days and everything like this. And it's like, okay, it's summer eternally here where we live. Right. Now, if you are on the East Coast, let's let's mm, let's pick a nice cold place in the United States. Okay, Chicago, okay, which goes yeah. from one extreme to the other. You, like when winter comes, you appreciate the summer days a hell of a lot more than like when you've got a sunny day every every moment. Look. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the easiest job in the world is a weather person in California. It's mm -hmm. 70. <laughs> 365 days out of the year. It, it, but not. So I still have an office there. So I go back mm. and my level of anxiety goes up when I go back. Not because I'm fearful of anything. It's because I left for a reason. <laughs> the politics suck. Mm. There's too many people. It's way too expensive. And did I say the politics suck? And there's too many people and it's way too expensive. I mean, it, it, so you go back there and you're like, why does everyone cram into this state? Yeah. And so what COVID, when, what COVID happened is a lot of people left California and they're going to the Nevadas and the Idaho's and the different parts of the United States that they would never think about going to before. I mean, there's more people in the county, Orange County, that live in Orange County, a county, than there is in the entire state of Nevada. Right. <laughs> now that is mental because like, this is a thing. Yeah, one of the things, it's been going on in California for a little bit, a a healthy chunk of times say definitely over the last 10 years that there has been this mass exodus uh heading out of california but when the pandemic hit that's when it i think it's gone up a gear or two um like yeah nevada's been popular texas been has been popular oh, yeah. um even boise uh like yeah. has been popular uh, but like i think with regards to uh, your fellow like your former home state I think there is uh, a lot of things would need to change in that state before people will either consider going back because let's just say um, you being a business owner, like uh, regulations and taxes uh, yes. are a difficult bugbear to have 
there. Okay, what's wrong with regulation? Uh, regulation up to a point. What's wrong with taxes? Taxes up to a point. It's like get right. the, get the balance, and yeah, you'll get people to stay and take advantage of that opportunity. As for the people, I'm not too sure what you can do with the mass of people which are there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I have to ask, like being in Nevada now, being in like Las Vegas, like less people, like nice, nice new house. What has been kind of the upsides for you moving from the great state of California? Ah, <sighs> <laughs> look at that side. I could, I, I, I could play a new golf course every week and not play all the golf courses in the Las Vegas area in one year. There's, I love golf. Um, every time I go to a, every time I make a right turn or a left turn, it's someplace new. So whether it's a golf course or a restaurant, I've been here for almost a year. And Arlene is from here. So all her family and friends are here. And it's been fun. It's been fun. I'm meeting new people. And sure, I can go to the Las Vegas Strip. Do locals gamble? No, we just go down for the food and we just sit and point and laugh at everyone that comes here and, and blows their whole paycheck. Um, and I say that with humor because we don't point and laugh, but Las Vegas can be a very fun place to look at. So I could walk out my driveway and look 30 minutes away by car and I can see Las Vegas. And that is perfect. I can see Las Vegas, but I'm living Nevada. And the biggest difference when I got here, I realized the very first thing I had to do is get those California plates off my car <laughs> because in, in Nevada, we let people merge. We, we wave them in. We wave at people driving down the road. We actually honor the speed limit. Oh, it's like, a, yes, the murder bowl, which is like <laughs> L.A. driving. Like, right. <laughs> yes. So I don't have to drive like I'm in L.A. anymore. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. He's <laughs> like, I'm glad to be out. I'm glad to be out. So with that, now that you're, I can most probably going to be your new long-term home, your new base of operations, where do you think, like, where would you like to be in, say, two or three years' time? Like, fingers crossed, the world goes back to normal. <laughs> where do you, where would you like to be? Geographically? Geographically. Or in, or in life? In life? Your choice. You're the dealer here. I want to be able to be a very short plane ride or car ride to see my granddaughter uh, playing soccer. Um, I want to be able to say to Arlene, um, congratulations, this opportunity for you and your career is great. And for her daughter to be out of law school. Um, I want my youngest son who came into my business to be able to take over for dear old dad. I want to be able to sit there and say that my son and I, uh, we still go to a football game in a different city every year to support our team. Uh, 
I want to be able to say that the book is published and that people are reading it and that I'm getting the occasional uh, phone call, text or email saying, hey, thank you for giving me the courage. Mm. Thank you for thank you for letting me know that, you know what, it can get better. Outside of that, I don't need anything else. Contentment. Ah, loving it. Loving it. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <sighs> you know, ah. now, you know, um, I, I, I have to ask this. You may, you may have... <sighs> Yeah. Most like most of this will be my last question of our time together, which has been wonderful to say the least. Thank you. Yeah, but like this is most probably the point where like I will either judge you harshly uh in either joy or disdain. But we shall see. Now, while I ask this question, <clears throat> excuse me, got to get myself set. Now, okay. Now picture a film any film you like, like maybe your favorite film, maybe a film which has like moved you in some way. Have you got a, have you got a film to mind? Yeah. Okay. What is the name of this film? Godfather 2. Godfather 2. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, okay. With the Godfather 2, I want you to take the cast of the Muppets and Sesame Street, and replace them all, except with one human, and like out of the original cast. Everyone else is Muppets except one person from the original cast of The Godfather 2. Who is that cast member? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace all of them. So I need... I need to replace all of them right now. All of them with Muppets. All the cast from Sesame Street. Yeah. Let's see the interesting thing. I just picked a very difficult movie because Michael Corle Corleone goes back in time. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a really bad, uh, a really difficult choice I just made. Um, well, Big Bird. Big Bird has to be um, Sunny. Big Bird has to be Sunny. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, ah, Michael. <laughs> Michael. I would love to. I would love to be Michael. Um, I, I would love to be Michael, but I on, I really don't want to be Michael. Um, you, you can't be Michael because it's got to be the like from the original cast. Like you, like you have this like assigning like Muppets here right now. Right. And I, right. But you right. Know, I okay. I, so uh right there to be Michael. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta, who's gonna be Michael? Uh, it's not Oscar. Um it's definitely not Oscar, it's not a big bird. Or Snuffleupagus. Um, who is Snuffleupagus? <laughs> no, you've, you've got me on this one. I'm I don't know how I could do it. And I've seen this movie so many times over. And obviously, I know the Muppets and Sesame Street. I just think you stumped me on this one. 
Yes. Mm. No, no, all I've got to say is, hey, maybe Elmo as Michael. Because like sweet and innocent, and then like you know what I mean, taking that dog. But he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, ah. Uh huh. I could, I could see that. I could see that. I could see that. I'm just looking at uh, back in Italy, and then in Lake Tahoe, he just changed. Yeah, it would be good. The, the, the problem is with the characters, with uh, the Muppets, they don't change. Like Godfather 2, they all changed. Hey, like, you know what? Like, if you watch the Muppet Christmas Carol, yeah, Fuzzy Bear changed. You got a little bit gray in, like, the finale. So, yeah, they do change. It's just a case of you got to pick the right film. Mm. I'm just trying to think, Fredo, uh, which Muppet would be Fredo? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a Muppet or a Big Bird character... uh, betrayed anyone even oscar had his good days yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's a tough one go with rizzo the rat like you know what i mean is there sort of natural state of play there you go there you go there you go Uh, (laughs) love it uh now can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you how they can track you down on the interwebs well, I, I tell you the easiest way to do it. If anybody ever wanted to, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw this out there. If anybody ever wanted to email me, they could email me direct. I'm completely fine with an email. Okay. And I'll pick up the, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call you. I'm not going to give out my phone number. <laughs> um, but I'd much rather do that. Now you can find me at, uh, you can fr- find me as Tom Freeman, T-O-M-F-R-E-E-M-A-N on Facebook. You can find me as Tom Freeman on Instagram. You can find me under LinkedIn if you're listening and Thomas Freeman. And I'm in the financial services arena. So you'll be able to look me up there. Um, but if anybody ever wanted to email me, um, I'll give it to you. Okay. T.A. Freeman Jr. T-A-F-R-E-E-M-A-N-J-R at gmail.com. Fair enough. If today has uh, created any opportunities for yourself where you'd like to chat, I'll be more than happy to chat with you. Excellent. Excellent. What I'll also do, I'll put all of his contact details in the show notes in the description so you can track him down uh yes by all means uh all i've got to say is there is a, a deep well of knowledge and wisdom with this man so yeah by all means get in contact thank with you him. get in contact with him tom i've got to say hey thank you for coming on today you have been a star a superstar a legend here i say it thank you <laughs> I've enjoyed it. This has been, this has been a great uh, conversation. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you. Ah, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant having you on. And yes, let me just say to you, my friends, my life warriors, who are still with us at this point in time, thank you uh, for sharing this time with us. I hope you've learned something. I hope you've learned a lot. Uh, Let me just say this to you. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be 
fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Yeah. Peace. And we are...